Greetings to you, and thanks for joining us today. My name is John, and I'm one of the pastors with CA. And I have been so looking forward to sharing with you. I believe that I have a prophetic word to speak to you today. There is something I feel you need to know, maybe something you need to be reminded of. It's simply this. God cares for you. That's it. I need to tell you that God cares for you. The God of ages, the Father of creation, Jesus Christ, the Son. God, the Spirit, has set His heart toward you, and He won't turn it away because He cares. He can't help Himself. It's who He is. It's the nature of His love to share. It's His self-giving love. He always, always cares. Did you know that? Every tear you've cried, every dream, God cares for you. Did you forget? Scripture says that He knows the number of hairs on your head. Wherever you are, however you're listening in, you got to believe me, you got to believe me when I tell you He cares for you. He's planned to tell you this. His mission from all time to reveal to every nation, tribe, and tongue, to all creation, great and small, there is not one square inch of it which God does not cry out, I care. That this is mine, that I made you, I made you to know me and thrive in the presence of my glory. God cares for you. So listen and hear me, all your anxiety, I know, you're despondent, you don't know where to turn, cast your care upon God because He cares for you. At one point, and for a while, I didn't know this, I lived my life as if, as if God didn't exist. I believed if for some strange reason God did exist as some maybe impersonal life force, he was devoid of personality and surely unable to care. But this was my mistake. To believe a secular sham. It's not true, but God knew all along and He knew and He cared. My story was redeemed by the great story of Scripture, the biblical narrative that the triune God revealed in the Bible as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit shared in His expanding love, and He willed to create. By His power, God moved to bring all things into existence. It was out of His hospitable nature that God welcomed humanity to participate with Him in His world, to share in His creation because He set His heart upon it, because He cared. You see, this has been God's mission from the very start to redeem His precious creation from the grip of darkness, to bring light and life to all that He has made, to bring what we call His shalom peace. You see, the God of the Bible is missional. God is on a mission to restore His creation, and He's characteristically missional because of His hospitable love. God's mission is that He would be known and glorified. That's it. God's mission is that He would be known and glorified. Even a cursory reading of the Old Testament would show this to be the case. 
that he would be known and glorified. But what characterizes God's people or us, the church, you and I, is God's presence with us. And to those scrutinizing the church, the presence of God looks like love, right? Paul says we'll be known by our love. And, and yes, the, the very presence of this so-called love, capital L-O-V-E, is with us. It's within us, like a light that can never be put out. God is leading the church, all of the church in the world, by His Spirit in His mission. God is leading all of the church by His Spirit in His mission. In other words, the way you and I join God, the way we join God together is in His mission. It's by being a faithful presence of love in our time. The way we join God's mission is by being a faithful presence of love in our time. You and I can be a faithful presence of love because we share the received Spirit of God, which casts out all fear. The received Spirit of God casts out all fear. There's a moment in Scripture where we see Jesus bring His shalom, peace, His presence in an unexpected way. In John chapter 20, verse 19, Jesus has been crucified and been buried. And I would like to read this together. So if you're able, would you stand with me as we read this passage? And if you're comfortable, read aloud with me as I read. This is John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true. It's been given to us in love. Try and put yourself in the story. In the last week, the disciples had an intense encounter in the Garden of Gethsemane. They encountered the religious guard. Jesus was taken from them. Peter denied Christ and Pilate crucified him. They are in as sorry a state as they can be. As John notes, they're filled with fear from the Jewish leaders. They've locked themselves in hiding. What a metaphor for the church. A microcosm of the church without Jesus at the center. They're filled with fear, locked away from the world. And this is where Jesus shows up. Though the doors were locked, he, being fully God, fully man, interrupts their grief, in breaks their isolation, and calms their fear with his presence, saying what? What is the gospel on Jesus' lips? What is the way that he speaks life to his fear-filled disciples? It's peace be with you. In this moment, Jesus meets their physical need, showing himself and calming their fears, and he shifts away from self-preservation and into his mission. He invites them to go as the Father had sent him. What a radical change. What a, what a gracious gift. 
And with what two words did he send them? Two words, two works, peace and forgiveness. This is the mission that you and I are privileged to join. Jesus' message of forgiveness and his presence of shalom, peace. Leslie Newbegin, who was a missionary and a theologian and a hero of mine, once wrote this. In the church, the mission of Jesus is continued through the presence and active working of the Holy Spirit. Who is the presence and the reign of God in foretaste? The mission of the church to all nations, to all human communities and all of their diversity and in all their particularity is itself the mighty work of God. The sign of the inbreaking of the kingdom. It is God who acts in the power of his spirit, doing mighty works, creating signs of a new age, working secretly in the hearts of men and women to draw them to Christ. God uses each one of us as a whole and individuals to bring his presence into the world. Can you believe that? He's using you and me, the faithful presence of love in our time, to bring light into darkness, to be love where there is fear, to speak peace and readily forgive. What does this mean for you and me? I mean, it seems a little anticlimactic to say that we, you and me, the church, are the ones who are going to tag Jesus out. We're, we're going to continue on Jesus' mission. I almost want to say, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> what does it mean to be the faithful presence of love in our neighborhood, in our job site, in our homes? This is my neighborhood. Is there a job site here? In his book, Missional God, Missional Church, Ross Hastings wrote this. Many Christians in churches are frustrated by not having a theology of the things they spend most of their time doing, work and play. This hampers their general sense of joy and shalom in life. And therefore their effectiveness for mission, not only because they lack, not only because that lack of shalom shows in their relationships with non-Christians, but also because it pressures them to press for unnatural opportunities for evangelism, which are usually counterproductive. <laughs> Has this ever happened to you? You're not always evangelizing in your life and, and daily work. You're lacking a theology of work, and then you, you feel pressured to give Christian witness inappropriately. <laughs> I had an experience where I was evangelized at. <laughs> in fact, counterproductive and unnatural are the perfect words. <laughs> to describe my experience. My family and I were on holiday and had just gotten some ice cream cones and we were walking down by the water and an anxious, angry young man with a bullhorn and a sandwich board felt the need to tell me that I'm going to hell along with my kids. Accurate? Nope. <laughs> Unnatural, yeah, counterproductive too. No one from this pulpit or leadership in this church is asking you to do this. In fact, please don't. You and I are called to be a people with a gospel of two words. We speak peace and forgiveness. By our faithful presence of love, we expose the secular sham that makes others a means to an end, that makes other people for my advantage. By our dedicated work, we outdo others in honor, even when it's countercultural. 
we speak peace and forgiveness. Christopher Wright, a theologian who's written the textbook on Christian mission, wrote this. Whatever the appearances or caricatures may have been, Christian mission is not a matter of inviting or compelling people to become Westerners or Koreans or Nigerians. It is inviting people to become more fully human through the transforming power of the gospel that fits all because it answers to the most basic need of all and restores the common glory of what it is to be truly human, a man or a woman made in the image of God. Where the disciples had locked in, Jesus came and sent them out into their world in their time to speak peace and forgiveness. The message of Christianity reminds people that they are human and what it means to be fully human, to be made in the image of God. No matter your social status, sexual orientation, economic station, God cares for you. God cares for each one. The good of creation comes from humanity devoting their life to the biblical God. It comes from living in his peace and speaking forgiveness. It comes from fully devoting ourselves to following Jesus. Does that sound familiar? In the forgiveness of our own sin and extending that truth love to others. In a biography of Mother Teresa, Malcolm Muggridge quoted her saying, the biggest disease today is not leprosy, not tuberculosis, but rather the feeling of being unwanted, uncared for, and deserted by everybody. The greatest evil is lack of love and charity, that terrible indifference towards one's neighbor who lives at the roadside assaulted by exploitation, corruption, poverty, and disease. Teresa captured Christian mission when she said that. And yes, Christian mission extends around the world. It it, it extends to Calcutta. It extends to Mexico, particularly to the most in need who have no opportunity to hear the gospel of peace and forgiveness. We must go to them. And if you can't go, you should send them. And yet... And yet, we must be a faithful presence of love in our time, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our home. We can't do it alone, I know. At community group the other night, one of my friends made the comment, it seems like the most simple things are the hardest, like Christian mission. Isn't that true? To simply walk next door, introduce yourself, and let them know that you love being their neighbor to live in the forgiveness of your own sin. You should try it. You'd be surprised by what God does to live a gospel of peace and forgiveness. I want to pray for you today. Uh, Father in heaven, I thank you for our church. I thank you that you have disseminated us all throughout the lower mainland into our homes for this season to be a faithful presence of love to our neighbors. Help us to live as you would have us. Help us to speak peace and forgiveness to all of those around us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. 